Okay. I've been drinking a lot. That's the intro. That's it. Ba da 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 Okay. <laughs> this is Get It to the Groove. It's the podcast where we find a groove and we get into it. Um, with me, as always, she's here. She's queer. Get over it! It's Melissa. Yeah, that's not going to clip at all. <laughs> and also, two ninety nine. are you out of your mind? It's Jeannie. Yes! Charge higher. I guess. And finally, Strangles. Jeepers Creepers, where'd you get those peepers? It's Colton Cox. I have one singular. <laughs> None what? of us respond. We're just what? laughing. I have a singular question for the group. Do it. Did we all see Lil Nas X's music video that dropped? Timely yes. and no. yes. No. <laughs> Okay, Colton. Well, Colton is out of the conversation. <laughs> Have you heard the song? No, but okay. to be fair, to be fair, to be fair, oh it's probably God. not something that I would listen to, regardless of who the artist is. Like, I just okay, but not- like, but like, it's a topic of conversation, <laughs> like big conversation. It There's is a lot of conversation. Relevant. Okay, can I get your well, guys, culturally so your, your opinions on it, Jamie and Melissa? I love it. I loved it. I. Okay, I love Lil Nas X. Same. Don't listen to, I will admit, I don't listen to a whole lot of his music. I like him for his online persona, and I love him for his fashion. I think he's a beautiful human being, and I like the things that he wears, like, especially. Like, I'm very into that. You were saying, Jeannie, that Lil Nas X is very good at the internet. He's so good at the internet. I think he was, I'm pretty certain he was, like, Twitter famous before he was actually, like, doing a lot musically. I believe his Twitter is at like Lil Nope or at Nope or something like that. Nope. I got off of Twitter a while ago, so I'm not savvy to it anymore, unfortunately. I use it to doom scroll, which is. I That's why I got rid of it. I, as I realized, I was like, I am not getting any joy out of it. So yeah. I'm taking a bow. I'm leaving. Um, and I'm not on it anymore because of it. I'll be totally honest. This is the first time I've paid attention to, uh, to Lil Nas X. I, I knew that Old Town Road was happening. I knew uh-huh. it was a thing, but I just said, you know what? It's going to be its thing. This is the one I paid attention to, mainly because somebody forced me to pay attention to it. But I said, wow, to be young and have money and force your gay agenda on the world. Yes. What it must be like. Finally. Someone. Finally. Someone's actually, doing it. Actually forcing the gay agenda. Thank God. Did you have to ask Melissa? I mean, I didn't have a lot of thoughts. What were your I mean, I thought it was great. I have the biggest eye roll to all these Christians out here who are having such an issue with the... Conniption. Whatever. Over it. Devil worship, they're calling it, I guess. I don't know. Fine. I thought it was just very well done, and I thought he made the statement he wanted to make. He did. He really did. And he's breaking down a lot of walls for a lot of people who look like. I mean, the thing is, like, he's a dark skinned 
rapper who's gay as hell. Gay. Like that is that is that is representation right there. I'm sorry, but that there are going to be a lot of young men yeah. out here who are going to look up to him and see freedom. Yeah. Yeah. Where they did not see it before. And you know, that was the thing when he like um uh tweeted out that little note that he had for his younger self. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um talking about how he made a promise to himself that he was going to keep it a secret, that he was going to die with that secret. And now, Here how many years later, doing it, like be, being the person, uh, the person that he needed to be yep. years ago. Stirs the person he needed years yeah. ago. I, yeah. um, I was reading something, um, a, a meme related to it. I don't know if you call it a meme. Whatever. Twitter thread, whatever it is. Oh, you sound so old. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I am. I am. But uh, it was talking about how um, Lil Nas was um, forced out, like, he had to come out like in front of everybody because as soon as old town road became like a huge hit, he was just kind of like forcefully brought out as a gay man because all like controversy, controversy related to that one. Interesting. So, you know, now here is a guy who's not like, you know, he, he never intended on presenting himself as a gay man, as an artist, like not publicly anyway. Yeah. So he was forced into it, and now he's just full-heartedly embracing it after he was forced to admit that he wasn't even trying to tell anybody. If he's an artist at anything, it's at owning it. Yeah. Taking something, twisting the narrative, and making it, like, I don't know, positive. Yeah. yeah, I haven't seen it, but, like, I'm still in full support, obviously. I mean... (laughs) I haven't seen it, but I know what's going on As a faggot myself, it's fucking wild. Like, oh, Jesus Christ. But... Are we <laughs> fabulous that he's doing that? Is this is this where you're gonna make the hill where you stand on trying to bring back saying faggot as a gay man? <laughs> bring back, bring well, back. It's here, cl- claiming it for you. No, no we've no, done this. Been on we've this done this. He owns this hill. Know, the gay men have done this already. <laughs> you're just behind sweating. No, 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 no. I meant. <laughs> This is like the third time you've used it now, I think, in our podcast. Okay, uh, uh, to our nine subscribers out there, if you are uncomfortable <laughs> with me saying the word faggot as a gay man, I'm sorry. It says I, explicit you, on, you had, on the thing. You had mentioned. Did you know Brandon was gay? Oh, you, also, you didn't guys, know Brandon since, was gay? Since you can't see us. I'm also black, so if I accidentally <laughs> drop the N-word when I'm real pissed off oh, about no. something, just an FYI. No, it's okay. I'm not trying to stop you. I'm just saying, <laughs> at some point, you admitted to me you had a little bit of like, maybe I shouldn't do that. We <laughs> are now you're here just... <laughs> to talk about an album. <laughs> Dang, we got way off track. Is <laughs> that, that intro? It was wild. <laughs> uh, it really was buck wild. Um, I've been drinking. We're talking about. <laughs> we're talking about one of my favorite albums. I brought this album to the table. Um, this is an artist that I have followed. Throughout, as long as I almost known you. yeah, her whole career almost. Um, we're talking about Amanda Palmer, and the album that we're talking about is "Theater Is Evil." And this album is credited as Amanda Palmer and the Grand Theft Orchestra. This is the this is the one and only time she has a backing band. Um, but yeah, it was a uh uh. I hope everybody's okay yeah, out there. We're getting, no, we're getting, they're coming for me. Hold on, let it. We it's can. all night, every night, TBH. 
everything's open back up. It's just like as soon as the sirens turned on, it was just in the background. That makes sense. So, yeah, that club across the street, Jeannie, you need to come over to my house on a Friday or Saturday night just to sit with me. Well, I mean, I hear the sirens and everything Poor going on. With me, I just somebody was having a big time. fight out in the street while they were come, walking oh, past come last hang night. Out, girl, I just sit out there with a glass of wine, and yell out like an old lady. <laughs> okay, I'm into this. Okay, yeah, bring it back. Bring this it back. album. <laughs> This album was, uh, it came out in two, that I don't even remember, 2014? Something like that. 2013. 2012. 2012, even earlier than Not that. Not even to like check you on it, but damn. No, please. That's what that's what we need to do here. You need to keep me on track, Genie. Okay. <laughs> this album came out in 2012, September of 2012, right? Yeah. For the United States. Um, it was funded exclusively on Kickstarter. Um, Amanda Palmer just asked her fans, if they could contribute something, right? And Kickstarter, uh, for anybody who's not in the know, is a um, crowdfunding website where artists can go on and ask their followers, their fans, to donate a certain amount of money for a particular project. Amanda Palmer used this to fund this album, Theater is Evil. And um, the whole mounting of it, like production and everything. All of it. Production, everything, the tour, the 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 gifts, like there were tiered, like things she that people could like sign up for, one point two million dollars. Yeah. yeah, insane. The most successful crowdfunding project to launch off of Kickstarter. Yes, um, the album was like in the top ten yeah. Billboard best-selling De- albums de- that year. Debuted at number ten. Debuted at number ten. Thank you. Yeah, this this, but I feel like that also people don't really know about Theater's Evil. I well that was I think I had a question on that because um why was Amanda Palmer so big? How'd she get one point two million well, crowdfunded? How? how did she do it? Uh, how? Why was she so big? Who was listening to her? Where did everybody know her from? That is the phenomenon of this whole thing. Like she has been asking her fans, followers, listeners to support her. From the beginning, when she was in the Dresden Dolls in the early aughts, mm-hmm. her and Brian Viglione, I think is how you say his name, the drummer, um, they they essentially funded their first record just by um, asking people for money. Mm-hmm. And they played all these shows. They, they were their own managers, their own um, um, agents, their own producers. They did everything themselves. Um, and I think people were just so taken with that. And the fact that they were just so fucking weird Mm -hmm. that people just really loved it they just latched onto them um and uh yeah they funded their first record themselves um they asked they went on a a nationwide tour um after that they asked people that they stayed with to fund the record they did they got a record deal they got um money from that record deal to pay those people off and like ever since then she's just been like cultivating this huge following of all these people that are supporting her. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think this is just like the pinnacle of all of that. Just like, Cause this has been years in the making. I asked that question and my note was that I say that even though I have, I have seen her like, that's yeah. how I met Colton. Technically, Indeed. was that an it Amanda is. Palmer concert? But really, oh my yeah. god, I did not know. Yeah. I didn't um, even realize. Yeah, I asked that question, even though I have seen her, and like that was an impressive so like show. Like so, it was long. It was a I, good show. <laughs> I can see, I can see why she would have people who are like down in the trenches, followers for her. But I, I guess at this point in time, like at 2012, like I did not know who Amanda Palmer was. Yeah. 
Yeah. I think I... I only passingly knew of the Dresden dolls and... Right. And, like, this is... this is, She's been doing this for 10 years and people still didn't know her. Yeah. Like, that's... It's crazy. Yeah. I, I knew the Dresden dolls from Alternative Press, of course. Um, but I only knew of the solo stuff because you listened to her. Yeah. Brandon. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah. Um, You're welcome. <laughs> Well, I only knew about bad wine lemon cake from the trailer. <sighs> the trailer out. If we're gonna go back, <laughs> you know, she Amanda Palmer had a, a, a record called "Amanda Goes Down Under." Mm-hmm. So she she had a, an Australian New Zealand tour, and one of the songs she she sang with the guy from Jane Austen Argument. They sang "Bad Wine and Lemon Cake." Fantastic song. Does she have some tie to New Zealand? Because that's where she is now. Still. That, that's where she is now. That's, she's uh, been there for the whole pandemic. Pandemic, yeah, because yeah. she got stuck down there. Um, I don't. I genuinely don't know. I think maybe like she just went on like a world tour and just like maybe got in contact with a bunch of great people in Australia slash New Zealand. Interesting. Yeah, hmm. yeah. I don't know. Maybe she's huge there. She's huge well, there. She's huge in I'm, Europe. That's what I'm curious of. Is you know, does she just have like a, a really strong following in New Zealand, and that's how she keeps getting like pulled? Maybe back. she has a bunch of investors in those countries too. Like maybe, maybe. those are maybe. where a lot of her like big money people lie. Well, uh, I, I'm gonna try to maybe like lead into this album. So oh, sorry. no, 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 because I'm just trying to be clever. Um, the her whole like gig when she stopped touring with the well, even when she was touring as the Dresden Dolls, she would just ask people. Um, fellow artists, cabaret artists, like different circus acts, whatever, ballet dancers, if they would open for them, right? Just voluntarily open for them. And then she would ask the audience to donate to their fund, right? To the to the artists that are performing because they're not getting paid. They're doing this voluntarily. And people would you throw money, the money in, in the hat. Yeah. Exactly, yes. Um, and one of these people... Um, that she asked to perform as an opening act when she was touring the Who Killed a Man Palmer tour was Meow Meow, who introduces this album. She is a cabaret performer. Um, I feel like she's won some awards. I read up on her earlier today, but I cannot regurgitate for the life of me what I read. A little bit drunk. Uh, a little bit. A little bit. Um, but she introduces us to Amanda Palmer and the Grand Theft Orchestra in German. And what she says in German, she says um, something like, ladies and gentlemen, how can I slit my wrists if I can't stop dancing? Direct from New York City, the Grand Theft Orchestra. And that's how this album opens. And we smash right into Smile, Pictures or It Didn't Happen. I think it's a great opener. Both Mm -hmm. the little, you know, German narrative, but Smile itself. Great way to crack open an album. Yes. Yeah. Which is what's weird is that was actually my least favorite song on the album. The opener. Yeah. Smile. Not that I didn't like it, but it was my least favorite one. Like, it has a good sound for an opener. Mm-hmm. It I, doesn't have as much of the. I mean, there are like little blips of like the content. I think that she writes about in yes. that without as much depth as you usually encounter in a lot of her songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I. Part of why I like this album so much is because I feel like it achieves something that few albums do in that the ride just keeps going up the whole time. It's like, well constructed. I, I think yes. like the the later you go into the album, the, the best songs are on the mm-hmm. second half of the, the album. So 
It's I awesome. think I would agree. I think, yeah, I think my heart lies with some of those songs. Yeah. I Not mean, saying that these songs at the beginning right. aren't great because right. they are. They're fa- they are phenomenal. Yeah, you start, you know, with a really high tier and then you just keep going up from there. Almost in the way that like Moulin Rouge, the movie starts just with like Don't start with me. blasting you with like song <laughs> after song. Like that's what Stop this kind of feels it. like. A little bit. A little bit. Stop it. But it but but it slightly pulls you in with that nature boy in the beginning. Oh yeah. Yeah, well okay, we're getting off topic, but yes. <laughs> That is true. There's some mystique. Anyway, okay. So this it's song. a different episode. A, a different episode. <laughs> Stay tuned for part two. <laughs> Season um, three is going to be all musicals. Oh, my God. Okay. Email us at oh, get no. the letter N, the number two, thegroove at gmail.com if you would love to hear that. Okay. So uh, back to Smile, Pictures Where It Didn't Happen. Um, I, I think I agree with you is that there's not a lot of like substance to the lyrics um but it, she's still saying something it, with it, it glosses over i think without digging into i mean she's good at digging into these little like very specific moments or feelings or things not as we much this. in this particular song she does kind of gloss over it a little bit but there are still like the little the little blips here and there yeah in this, the lyrics. Uh, a, a little fun fact. Um, she wrote this. Um, this was this song was a site specific song in that she only wrote it when she was at this specific site. Um, she has cousins who stay in Hermosa Beach, um, and she only wrote it while she was jogging, like up and down the beach. So she would like, like think of the the lyrics and like come up with the melody in her head, record it on her iPhone, and then she left for six months, did not touch the song. Came back, was jogging, continued working on the song. Left for three more months, came back, kept working on the song. And finally, when she had like 80% of the song, she banged it out on the piano. And I think Amanda Palmer is kind of like Mika in the last episode. We talked a few times. Like He's inspired by one thing, and then he takes 20 minutes yeah. and like completes the song. Amanda Palmer is the exact same way. I feel like she is a wider mixture of... Because I, I feel like there are songs that she has written that are like years in the making. You know what I mean? Yes. Because she has so much detail in some of these songs. I just, I, mm. not to say that she couldn't do it, but I know that some of those had some to have taken. Some of them are feelings she sat on for a while. Yeah. And like mm. little snippets that she's probably had that she's like patchworked well, together eventually. Especially because she talks about such heavy things. I feel like some of those things she has to like process herself and figure and get to the other side of it before she can really finish. Yeah. You can't really like have a clear mind yeah. and write about it like as well as she does. Right. It's very yeah. reflective work. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think you could say about, about her in general, very reflective. There's one line I want to point out in this that I really like. It just sort of, um, highlights her wordplay. Um, she says the proof will swallow you up holy shit, you got some action. And I just really love that sort of like double entendre. I don't think that's correct, but just that use of whole and holy, I think it's terrific. Um, so why don't we move right along Do it to the killing type? Love it. Love this song. Great. Let's keep going. Um, no. Um, <laughs> Breeze past it. Check it off the list. <laughs> I had, well, I think my thing is, is I had... I have sat down and listened to this album. It was either this last fall or the one previous. And I had a little note to myself. I was like, why? What was my motivation for plugging into it? Because 
there was some reason into the, like into the album initially yeah like there's some reason that i like came back and visited it like i know there was a motivation behind it i remember being like i think that's what i need to listen to right now and now i'm trying to remember exactly when that was it was one of these like last two falls though is when i sat down and listened to it but killing type and also rockstar and melody dean i think which were all singles that came off of it i think um i could be a little bit wrong there I had actually listened to a couple of those previously and like Killing Type in particular. Like I think I listened to it around the time that it came out and that was a song that I listened to. I do love this song. I remember watching the video for it a lot too. Oh God, very haunting. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The band dressed in white mm-hmm, and then at mm-hmm. the end she's covered in blood. Yes. <laughs> this, is, uh, this is one of the like... Not every song that she write ha- she writes has an earworm in it, but the the chorus of this is just super catchy. Like, Will you do it for us? <laughs> no? I'm not the kidding time. I'm not the kidding time. <laughs> I'm glad you did that because I feel like her voice. I feel like her singing voice is something like. This is why I'm really surprised that you, Melissa, really like the album because I feel like her voice is either you love it or you absolutely hate it because it can get grating um it, but her her timbre is so deep that she like yeah jumps into a head voice when she like <laughs> it feels like you shouldn't like you're in a range where you should not be jumping into a head voice but it sounds so like oh visceral i feel, i love that that's i well let me can i just say why i actually did like her voice yeah yes Please. Because we have similar ranges. You don't hear someone with a lower register yeah. very often oh, like that. Oh. And Sorry. and can I also say from someone who sings in a lower register very often, when you're in that lower register, popping up to your falsetto is so easy. Like like oh. it is not a falsetto in any other sense of the word, but when you're already in that space, going up there, that's the easiest way to go up there. And it's the healthiest way to go up there and not and kind oh. of get through your passaggio without having to actually swoop up. Passaggio. <laughs> Will you tell the listeners what that means? Most people call it your break. Yeah. Ah. Where okay. your voice does the change. It's actually called a passaggio, and you can actually work through it to make it fluid. Passaggio. But it's it's the easiest way when you're singing in a lower register as a female anyway hmm. to pop up and, and skip that passaggio without having to pop up into another chest voice. Interesting. Because those are two different. I am glad that you talked feels. about her voice, though, because that sometimes for me, for some of her songs, is like a deterrence because she I do like the sound of her voice, but she has a tendency to like sing like just very like droney and like, yes, some some of her songs that don't that take longer to build. It's it, it does become a little bit grating. Berlin, for instance, so Berlin, not to jump yeah. ahead. That, that like, one's not as bad, but like some of the the earlier, especially the um, um, <laughs> Dresden Doll era, she yes. had some Dresden Doll songs that were just like, man, like, mm. like I like the sound of her voice, but just like give me some a different part of your range because this is just really monotonous. Like, <laughs> yeah, but not the case with this album at all. I wouldn't say. She shows off her uh, musical theater uh, knowledge a little bit in her reference to um, hanging out in New Orleans like Mackie hidden out of sight. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mac Caught the that. Knife, Three Penny Opera, anybody? Kurt Vile, Bertel Brecht. Caught it. Um, <laughs> Did you say Kurt Vile? I also caught Kurt a Britney Spears reference in one of these songs too. That is probably true. 
Um, but not that Kurt Vile. Okay. Kurt Vile, W E I L L. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yes. Okay. Um, was a musician back in the, in the twenties with the twenties and thirties with Bertolt Brecht. Bertolt Brecht was the lyricist to that song. Anyway, um, this song um, I feel is a good example of like why she's like Mika. Um, this song was actually written in twenty minutes. She was in Amsterdam, had a dinner with her sister, and could not find a cab home. Wrote the song on the walk. Obnoxious. Okay, I mean, I see that. Yeah. I think this song introduces this kind of recurring idea, and I don't know if it's just this album, but I feel like she talks a lot in this album about pain and death and how they're like, death is preferential to pain. Yes. Don't listen to a lot of her catalog, but I'm under the impression that's a lot of her content in some way. It seems more pointed on this one. Like she's trying to, to hit a certain note because there's, I don't remember which song it is, but there's another song that she talks about um, like pain versus death in, in what I, I don't know. Yeah. I can't remember which one it's, it's the later half of it. Uh, yeah, well, it's interesting. I, I could probably find stuff if I like looked closer into, you know, the earlier stuff, but um, the album that came after this seven years after this, um, there will be no intermission was also mostly about death. It but was. It was, but it's it's weird. It's like these albums. We were there for the concert. We were there for the concert. That's why we showed up. Um, no, not to distract, but did she play any of these songs at that show? Do you remember Jeannie? Because we were talking about it. I do not. I can't. I I remember, I, I remember hearing the Killing Type, but maybe I, it wasn't. There. I was under the impression that she played through the playlist for. I don't think that's the there case because be no she mixed in. She only there played, will be no like intermission. six songs, six or seven songs. So yeah. she didn't play the whole thing. She, she might have. Um, I know she did play "Let It Go," <laughs> and she played um, um, "Coin Operated Boy." Well, not she played a song from Little Mermaid. Every time that woman. Oh, you remember Amanda, that? Amanda, I'm sad. It's like it's <laughs> the same lady. Can you please stop? <laughs> That was her rule. This is just a moment show. for you to get attention, and I'm done with it. Yeah, that that last song though she had, she she started on um, something from The Little Mermaid, and mm. then like morphed it into oh, a damn. different song. I wish I could remember. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if it was the Ursula number. No, I think it was the uh, Look at this stuff, isn't it neat? <laughs> your world, sake, yeah. Yes, but that's the one. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, back um, to the song. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is that, like, that album, There Will Be No Intermission, seems like it's death immediately after, right? You know, yeah. like, or someone experiencing a death immediately after. And this one seems like it has been, there's been some time, and now yeah. that they're, they're coping with it. I also like, think it's a different kind it. of death. I was under right, the impression right, yeah. that There Will Be No Intermission, I mean, that one was a very specific death of... A, a family friend stuff. and yeah. of your own infants versus this, yes. I think deals more with a personal sort of death and not so much in the actual full physical sense, but like uh, the shedding of old skins, the shedding of innocence, the shedding of like naivety being that fake type of a person to yeah, appeal to everybody. Theater yes. is evil. Yeah. A, a killing of your, uh, an intentional killing, perhaps, of your personas. Yes. Even when you're not the killing type. I would like to point out two things in the killing type. 
One is I really love, um, that's like towards the end, there's like a uh, a Dakar, guitar strum. (laughs) Um, And it it gives me like beachy surfer vibes, Mm -hmm. but it's like in the background, like you have to really listen for it to get it. I just really appreciate like the, the kind of experimentation that they're doing, that the band is doing to really elevate these tunes. Um, And I also really like the line because it's incorrect on Google. Um, I'd rather die a peaceful piece of shit, bait, shame filled coward. Thanks. Um, Yeah. That's out on that. Um, Now we go into not my favorite tune, but definitely in the top tier of favorite tunes. Do it with a rock star. It's a fun bop. (laughs) Oh, it's so fun. Oh my God. It's a song that I I also knew before, and it's a song that I will sing to myself often. Gets you hyped up. You want to dance? Do you want to fight? Do you want to get drunk and stay the night? Do you want to see all my cavities? Talk about the crisis in the Middle East. Um, also incorrect on Google. They say that at the beginning, they just say, oh, 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 oh. And that's not right. They says, actually. Now I lay me. Now I lay me down to sleep. Down to sleep. Yes. And then do you want to dance? Do you want to fight? Do you want to get drunk and stay the night? And do then they say. Stay the night? No regret. No, no bless, bless oblige. oblige. Yes, which is a French term, French saying, French phrase. Um, that basically means you must act nobly if you want to be considered noble. And there you have it. Dang. It's an amazing tune. It was the first single. Um, and I think it's really the first time the drummer is like, you can, if you... <laughs> The drummer fucking kills it on this track. Mm-hmm. Yes, Michael mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. McQuilton, McQuilkin, Michael McQuilton, Quilkin. <laughs> Team Mini Martinis, Michael McQuilkin. Um, yeah, I had an interesting note, which is that the Wikipedia article, I think one was like, must not actually be finished. Like, I think somebody was working on it and abandoned it. Uh, the article? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, because it was like the first single off of it. There's a music video. There is. It's a little controversial because it features Stoya the porn star in it. Oh. Um. It There's no detail about it on the Wikipedia page, though, and I thought that was interesting. I was like, you don't talk about, because it was, because here's the thing. I wasn't really listening to Amanda Palmer at the time. Um, I know Amanda Palmer from you. You played like the ukulele song out on your porch one time. And I remember listening to that and then encountering this song and watching the video for it. And she put out this big statement because I think it was hard to find the video too, because it was a porn star. Like there was like a lot of pushback to like YouTube was uncertain about featuring this video because it was story of the porn star in the video. We're talking um, about somebody who likes to stir the pot. Amanda Palmer. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And she put out like, I mean, she put out a really big statement about it, about why she stood behind it and why she had chosen Stoya specifically to be in that video. And if you can't watch it on YouTube, here's the link to my website. Go watch it there. Thank you very much. Um, and it's interesting because I was like, none of that controversy is featured on the Wikipedia page. 
Um, mm. I guess I didn't pull up a specific page for the song itself. Maybe there is oh. one. But as an overall like review of the album, I was like, why is that not featured? Because I remember reading that back in 2012, and I was not an Amanda Palmer fan. I was not tuned in to any of it, hardly. Very interesting. And I still followed that controversy. I feel like I breezed over that. Or maybe I saw it and just didn't think anything of it. I'm just like, fuck Amanda The video Palmer's itself is actually funny because she does make fun of herself because there is a character who's like, why would you want to go see Amanda Palmer? <laughs> <laughs> she's the Irish Scientologist. We're not going to go see Amanda Palmer. And then like the other guy's like, yeah, but I have backstage tickets. And she's like, fine, we'll go. <laughs> Brilliant. Love it. Uh, that music video is directed by the drummer, Michael McWilkin, and Wayne Coyne. Wayne Coyne. Wayne Coyne. Wayne Coyne. <laughs> Wayne Coyne. Of who? Colton Cox? The Flaming Lips. Yes, thank you. Um, mm, connections. They're both weirdos, so I'm sure <laughs> they get along just fine. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the Flaming Lips had a, a record that was like, oh shit, I don't remember what it was called, but it was a bunch of covers featured like... Uh, Hedy Flynn's. There you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and Amanda Palmer does um, the first time ever I saw your face. But on the album, it is somebody else. I can't remember who. I couldn't tell you. I didn't listen to that one as much. There is a version that features Amanda Palmer. Yeah. Anyway. Anything else about that track? It's a fun one. I like it. Yeah. It's catchy. So fun. But also, I think, fits into like smile pictures or it didn't happen. Where it's yeah. like, there's not a lot of substance but it still makes a point. Yeah. It's a good single for yes. sure. Terrific. Terrific. So we go into one at back. Um, fun fact, the synthesizer, the synthesizers, Jesus Christ, the synthesizers <laughs> at the beginning of the song, when they went on tour, they would vamp this and they would make the audience do yoga with them <laughs> before they played the rest of the tune. I loved it. This is a bop. This is a bop. It's a bop. Yeah. You were telling me it said it reminded you. Who did it remind you of? Said it reminded you of somebody. Oh yeah, this reminded me of like I would have. I I would not be surprised at all if this song had been released by like the All American Rejects. That's right. Yeah. You know, I had. That's funny that you say that. There's a few times on this album that I felt like it kind of touched almost into like pop punk Mm -hmm. territory yes i have a fun note about that later on all right there we go it's too much you done done too much i think this song uh, it really like if you didn't know amanda palmer for her lyrics like this is the first song to showcase all of that Mm -hmm. yeah um because they are crazy yeah i uh i had this pulled up um like rats in a cage, push the button, got the shock trick sneakers in your bag. Had your number, but I lost it. Bets are all off. You're a lily livered giver. <laughs> I love that yeah. one. Um uh the the other line I really like is who's the better not see eye to eye to eye? You're blind and you can't catch me, catch me if you can, or something like that. Love it. <laughs> Choice. Yeah, this song really gets me going. So now um, we drastically change the mood and we go into grown man cry. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, 
this song is one of the oldest songs, going back to our conversation earlier about her being able to ruminate on things for a very, very, very long time before it actually turns into a song. That's funny that you say that because this song to me is the first Amanda Palmer song on the album. The first one that sounds like what she's known for. Yes. Yeah. A sort of angsty, dark. Very dark, very angsty. But not not so dark that it like isolates the listener. Like a lot of people can relate to it. It's a sharing of experiences, but universal experiences. Yes. It's, it is a relationship that's gotten very sour and, it doesn't even have to be a relationship. Yeah. I actually took that song way more generally than even a romantic relationship. Like, that's a whole mindset. This whole song is a mindset of just being done with the excuses, mm-hmm. being yeah. done with the the shit that people think is cute, being done with the misinformation, miscommunication, the, oh, I, I just did this, and I'm sorry, and blah, 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 bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. Grow up sometime. Mm-hmm. Like, I love this song. This song brought me to my knees because it is where I am at in my life right now, where it's just Mm. like, I'm tired of fair weather people. I'm tired of people who think that they can just blow all their feelings on me and not take any of my feelings on them. I'm done with that. Like, I'm sick of it. And there's a point where you get to the, where you're just like, I can't hear you whine anymore. I cannot hear you whine. It's not interesting. It's not cute. It really is not interesting. It's not a fun time anymore. It's not something I want to put myself into, and it's not something I want to put myself around. And that's a point you have to get to sometimes. And unfortunately, that's when you start having to cut out people who may mean a lot to you, but you're realizing that you're not getting what you need from them. Mm-hmm. I think that's why I've always liked her as a lyricist, because I feel like she has always had a very unique view of life. Yeah. And... While, I mean, she's one of those people, there's just nobody else that sounds like Amanda Palmer. Like, even though there are people that I feel like have, have kind of done a shim- similar shtick to her, it, they just it's just, she's got such a unique view. I don't know. And, and to be able to, because she writes songs like this, you know, where it's like very well thought out and it's something that a grown woman would would write a grown woman yes a grown woman not you know these silly little love songs that we hear on the radio all the time earlier i was like i had texted him earlier and said i was surprised that he had not forced his album on me yet i had not heard the whole thing he had not even really approached me about it have you heard well i'm sure you obviously (laughs) have heard if i were going to associate an album with you always through him and, and I've never hated her. I, I just, I just—it's not something I ever got into, and it wasn't one of the albums that he was like, "You need to listen to this." But you haven't pushed did. it on anybody because I don't think you've ever pushed it on me. No, I actually but hold this album really near and dear to my heart. I, I covet it. Uh, yes, but I, I also told him later that I realized that this particular, in, in especially this particular song, if I had heard this five years ago, it wouldn't have hit the way it hit today. You know what I mean? Like it wouldn't have hit the way that it hits now. Because I wasn't in that place. Like she was really in her like I mean thirties when done. this album came out too. So yeah. she was done with like the twenties and yeah. the late twenties bullshit. And yeah. Now Brandon actually did push this one on me. Um, but I think it, it genuinely had more to do with the whole Kickstarter thing than it did the album itself. Yeah. You 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 know, obviously told me a that you one dollar backer. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> you told me you loved it and all that that stuff, but you mostly talked about how she got this thing funded and like 
all the extra cool stuff that came like depending on what your your a subscriber Bitch, level was. if you paid thousands of dollars, she would come to your house. Yep. And play a show. That's something she still does. Yeah. She has because she has a tier that's like a hundred dollars a month, I think. Mm-hmm. On her Patreon. On her Patreon. Yeah, yeah. And um she does like private concerts. She will write songs for people. Like it there's like ten ten tiers on her thing. She's like fully utilized Patreon. Yeah. In a way that I don't think I've seen any other artists do as effectively. So good for her. And I think one reason I don't push like, I, or I, maybe I didn't push this album onto people is because I knew that the Dresden dolls seemed so like niche. Like they, they were so specific in their weirdness they, yeah. they, they, they are a punk cabaret duo. There is literally no other band in the world that is like that. Uh, just a piano and some well, fucking drums. And I have to say too, she her personality has softened a great deal since yeah. since the Dresden doll years. She was very abrasive in interviews back then. So like it was kind of hard introducing them Dresden dolls to people because she she was like pissed off <laughs> at that time. Pissed off towards the industry yes because yes uh she is actually very great and very loyal to her to the people that actually like her like she was i'm in the middle of her book and um she's talking about how uh the dresden dolls the signing lines at the end of the shows would last longer than the shows themselves because her and brian would take their time like talking with people, hugging people, crying with people, and like people would give them roses and then they in turn would give roses to people who thought who they thought needed it more. Yeah, they're just really loyal to their fan base, which is partially why this album was so successful in its crowdfunding. My little note, sorry. Please. We mentioned um, that you felt that there was a distinct pop punk sound and I believe I read that um, the producer who worked with uh, the cure. Oh yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. And I feel like grown man cry was like, that is when I read that, I said, okay, yeah, I can hear that for sure. In this song, like it does have that, like we did mention moodiness and I'm like, I can see that. Okay. 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 Like it clicks there on that particular song. Mm-hmm. So pop punk maybe is a little bit of a miss on the, the words that I was going to use, but a certain degree of familiarity there. Yeah. I get that. Also, this particular song, and it may just be me, so it may be a completely psychotic observation. However, <laughs> I've also been drinking. Um, <laughs> oops. This song also brought Jewel vibes. Oh. Oh, yes. Oh, okay. Okay. That okay. is not psychotic <laughs> at all. Well, maybe I'm just in the right mindset. Like I'm in your mindset right now. <laughs> I yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I could see it. I could show a very weird jewel, but a jewel nonetheless. Yeah. Jewel or Alanis more set or something mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um what's that damn song she sings? You took your coat off and stood in the rain. What's that song called? I can't think of it because I'm really nervous. You you mentioned that's what that song reminds me of. Is that one? Keep talking. You mentioned Jeannie, um, the connection to the Cure. I uh-huh. think it was um, the second music video, uh, Killing Type, um, was directed by Tim Hope, who had directed many videos for the Cure. <laughs> okay, maybe that was it. Um, 
So I thought I'd read something about some of the production. The song is called Foolish Games by Jewel. <laughs> Back to you. Anyway, I, this is also this is like the only time I've ever heard her have guitars on an album with her. Mm. And her voice fits very well with rock and roll guitar. <laughs> yes. I would also like to say that this song was, uh, of course, on piano because that's what Amanda Palmer does. Uh-huh. Um and since it was the oldest song in the album, like she got to a point where she's like, I don't really know if I like the way that this song is arranged. Mm. Um, and so she like brought it to the band and the band like kind of like kind of fumbled through it, like one go through. And that like first run through is essentially what you hear on the record. It's just how they recorded. They're like, yeah, that's it. Let's just put it down. Mm. And they did. And there you have it. And as we dip into familiar Amanda Palmer, we just keep going into more Amanda Palmer mm-hmm. stuff with Trout Heart Replica. Oh I yeah, song. yeah. Her, I, I put down Amanda's piano skills finally show up. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, this is. Oh no, I'm thinking of the, um, the interlude. There, the, there's one song, the interlude, that you really hear the the classical influences that she has. Oh, on with, her, with it, the rest of the band, like the instruments. Yeah, song. yeah, the yeah. grand, the grand theft. She's just intermission going up or, constantly. Yeah. Well, it, it's not even that. It's it. Her piano playing sounds like like a Bach fugue or something going on, and um, a lot of her songs she plays like big chunky like block chords, mm-hmm. and she doesn't really do too much like melody playing. Um, but she's a hell of a piano player too. So she's been playing piano since she was fucking three. Mm-hmm. So back to Trout Heart Replica. Yeah. This was uh, based um, on a true story. Um, she was touring. She was on the road for Who Killed Amanda Palmer. Um, and um, Zoe Keating. Is that how you say her name? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, they were on tour together. She was, was um, a strings player that accompanied Amanda. Um, and this was uh, like at the beginning of the relationship with um, Neil Gaiman, right? And uh, Neil took Amanda and Zoe to and Zoe to a trout farm. Um, and Amanda is a, I guess I don't know if she would call herself a she pescatarian. Doesn't she doesn't eat. She eats fish, but she doesn't eat meat. Um, so they went to a trout farm, and um, for some reason, Amanda forced herself to watch the butcher club these trout. Right. Um, and then the butcher took them into the back room and um, showed them like a small dime sized heart of a trout's heart still beating. And that's the, the entirety, the basis of this song. I like that you mentioned that because I, re- that was another thing that I've read. So I've read weird snippets about Amanda Palmer without having listened to the album. Like I had not heard this song. Until I listened to it in the last year or so. But I read that story, like, again, like, back in 2012. Like, I remember reading it. I don't know why I read so much about Amanda Palmer, but apparently <laughs> I did. And I remember, yeah, like, I remember, like, that's what my note is. I, I remember reading the, the song about, like, filleting trout in the sink. Like, I remember her specifically talking about seeing them in the sink and, like, the hearts and, like, the little purple hearts still, like, beating. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I also had the note at some time when she was not eating meat or whatever she was doing. Yeah. There are a few lines in this that I particularly like. Um, And I won't keep what I can't catch in my bare hands without a net. It's hard enough to walk on grass so conscious of the consequences. That line just really, just really gets me. Uh, And then... And the butcher stops and winds his watch and lays their lives down on the block. He raises up his hatchet and the big hand strikes a compromise. Wait, we'll trade you. Wait, is that right? Yeah, we'll that's right. You? Yeah. Okay. I really like at the end, um, um, she talks about, talks about um, when the wizard gets to me, I'm asking for yeah. a smaller heart. And if he says no, I'll hold my breath and uh, drop oh, to I the love floor. That. Yeah. Like uh-huh. Now my heart is exactly the size of a six-sided, six-sided die thing. cut in half. Mm-hmm. Like it's all just like these it, specific images. Now my heart is exactly the size of a six-sided die cut in half made, made of, of ruby, ruby red, red stained glass. glass. Oh my God. Uh, if I knock, what, okay. Read the Can I knock you unconscious as long as I promise I'll love you and I'll make you laugh. Oh, God, it could because it seems like how how in the fuck are you gonna make this image of trout in a bucket like relatable to the human experience? <laughs> I that's this ties into um, killing type too because um, I feel like she emphatically says a lot in her career about how she basically just wishes she could like beat love and like niceness into people <laughs> like <laughs> like <laughs> it, there's just this like. This song and The Killing Type are both very much just like, what the fuck do I have to do to get you to, to give a shit? Like, to, to to be nice to people, care about something. Yeah. And that's that's how she is. Like, you know, when we went to see her at the show, it's very much like... like if I could beat any kind of empathy into you, I fucking... Right. Would. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Another little tidbit about this song. Um... So it's based off of that whole experience at the trout farm. Um, apparently during a yoga class, she got some of the lyrics like arranged in her head and she had some chord progressions and she had this sort of dichotomy with herself. She's like, no, I need to be fully zoned out. I need to c- complete this yoga class. But it was just, the song was just pestering at her. So she just said, fuck it. And she left the yoga class fully unzend and uh, wrote it down. And she was in somewhere in California and she twittered to her followers. She said, hey, does anybody have a piano that I could use or borrow or buy or whatever? Um, and some of her fans responded. Um, they got in contact and they brought an electric piano. They like hoisted it up to her fucking hotel room um, and she chunked out the song. Um, or at least part of the song. I don't know about the whole thing. But that's like, it goes back to like, her relying on her fan base and this connection that she has with her fan base, this trust that she has with the people who listen to her. And yeah, it's just a beautiful thing. Like something that you don't actually get to see with a lot of artists and she's like using it full force. Yeah. She, um, it's a very singularly unique relationship that she has with her audience. I don't, she's the only person I, I have seen that kind of a relationship with them because her, very connected and very vulnerable. Well, her, her her success is entirely. I mean, this is everybody, but like her in particular, her success is entirely dependent on her fan base. Yeah, because and she knows that. She's yes, aware of it. Yes, and I mean that's how it should be. Like that's 
record labels and all that are often more of a brick wall between you and the people you're trying to reach than they are helpful. They, They help you in the sense that they give you a platform for like marketing and advertising and all that kind of stuff. So like if you're a tiny little band, you sign on to a record label, you now have access to a nationwide current, but like she doesn't need that. No, she, and it's, it's, you know, part of it is because she already was an established artist because of Dresden dolls. But after Dresden dolls, like it's entirely dependent on her communicating with her fans. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. I just want a, a little anecdote about the Dresden dolls. Um, once they got their record deal, they um, they got they got enough money to um, do a second record, and then they were going to. And part of that money was also going to go to marketing and another tour and a certain amount of music videos. And so when they uh, recorded the second record and um, they released it or whatever, they sold twenty five thousand copies in the store. And Amanda Palmer and Brian um, were stoked. They're like, oh, fuck yeah, 25,000 copies like in the first week. That is amazing. But the record label thought that that was actually a problem. And because sales dipped, they actually pulled funding from the tour, the marketing, um, the videos, Yanked all of the that. the rug out from under of them. They really did. And uh, I think that like that moment, they realized like- Soured that relationship. Yes, sure. because they already had an established relationship with their fan base. Um, and, and they knew that that was strong. And like whatever like numbers that they were getting from their label didn't really like, it didn't really mean anything as long as they had that established relationship with their fans. And so I think that's why they- jump ship i had a question yeah brandon when did you become an amanda palmer fan girl so when... you remember ms and messenger okay, he, yeah. he was born Whoa. Uh, yes ni- february 28th 1992 that's when it started <laughs> um no back in like middle school high school i don't know how i became friends with this person but i was friends with this i don't want to say faggot I was friends with this gay guy who was well, in You might Wichita. as well do it now. <laughs> I will call myself a faggot. All right, all right. But the, I was friends with this gay guy in Wichita, and we IM'd each other all the time. And he was maybe a year or two older than me, so he was already in high school. Um, he was cool. He he was... No, he wasn't. Neither was <laughs> I. That's why we were friends. Um, and he showed me, um, like everybody else, he showed me coin-operated boy. Okay. And... I was obsessed ever since then. I was like, like I was obsessed with the aesthetic, like her eyebrows. The song itself was like straight out of a musical. And like, it, I, I, I could not tell you specifically why, but I was just so drawn to it. And I think that was actually like the first actual rock star that I followed because okay. up until then I was listening to classical music and musical theater. Um, yeah, and he's he doesn't listen to that anymore. <laughs> Classical music and yeah. music theater. I need you to shut your damn mouth <laughs> because I will listen to Bernard Peter Peter's <laughs> Ethel Merman. I will listen to Patty LuPone any day of the goddamn week. All right, Stephen Sondheim, get at me. Oh See, god! When he lived with me, oh, there was a Sondheim this was not phase. A <laughs> there was a Sondheim phase. This is the only time I had an issue during the quarantine. You had. A Sondheim phase that I, was so strong. This is true. <laughs> he 
does this about once a year. It was. I would just like to say it's yeah. a pattern. Okay, okay. So it's not, it wasn't out of the blue. No, was it, you was go it anything? on binges. Like I, yeah. I noticed you go on binges where I, I, I like I remember there'd be like two weeks you'd be playing the same thing oh, or man, like yeah, the I same genre. Yeah, there, there was a that. there was a week and a half of like just Stephen Sondheim. Like, and let me played, tell you, you played Sound and Color so often in one week that I learned the whole album without ever downloading the album or knowing well, listen, any of the that's like, album. that is a good I album. The whole thing. <laughs> I'd walk in and be like singing along and be like, I don't even know the name of the song. What the fuck is this? <laughs> I will say during that Sondheim phase, I um, listened to Sondheim's, one of Sondheim's flops and it was Merrily We Roll Along. Oh, yeah. And I suggest it. It's great. There's a documentary on Netflix. It's a good time. So now we reach the intermission of the album. <laughs> a grand theft intermission. Um, and Amanda Palmer, never having a band before, did not know how to write with the band. She was kind of like, well, this is aka awkward. Um, if you guys have, awkward? if you guys have anything that you want to bring to the table, please bring it. Um, and Jarek, um, Biscoff, I don't know how to say his last name. He plays cellos. He plays strings. He was featured on, um, Amanda Palmer's David Bowie uh, tribute album when he died. Um, but anyway, Jarek brought this bass chord progression to the group. Um, and it turned into a Grand Theft Intermission. Amanda Palmer was going to write lyrics to it, but she said, absolutely not. This is this is where the band needs to like step forward and shine. This reminded me of the intermission in uh, the Panic of a Disco album. There's an intermission. In there. I'm not the audience well, so for that. You, you don't have to go that far away with the microphone. There, oh, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to. Uh, yeah, so uh, in, uh, what is it? A Fever Can't Sweat Out? Is that what the album's called? The, yeah. the no. one? Are you talking about that one? Yeah, I'm That's talking about that one. one. Title? There's an intermission in that. Oh. And, and it's long like this. Like, it totally reminded me of this. Because I also feel like the beginning of this album is kind of one vibe. And then the second half is a whole different vibe. Like I yeah. feel like the band gets way more work to do in the second half of this album. Yeah. yeah. Like it's, they went yeah. from like electric music to live music. Like that's how it felt. Like I'm sure that's not exactly what happened, yeah. but that's how it feels. And so I, that's the first thing I thought of was that, that other album, because that's the only other one I've heard switch like that with a full intermission. Yeah. Mm, interesting. This killer intermission though. It is very good. Is the, this the one you were talking about? Where yes. Like yeah. Amanda Palmer's like. Yes, it's got it's got kind of a classical flavor to the playing, um, but my favorite thing in this is the the hits the bump ba da 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 This this might be an odd choice for this one, but I think Lost is actually one of my favorite tracks on this. It's a beautifully written. It's kind of I liked it. Well, what I like is that it's kind of funky a little bit. Yeah. For for Amanda Palmer anyway, and I like every time I hear it, I'm like, this isn't Amanda Palmer. Like this is crazy. But yeah, and and like just the the. The way that she plays piano in this song, it's really she doesn't play as much in this one, and I kind of like it. Like it really is a group effort for this song. Yeah, I don't know this this song 
It slaps, as the kids say. As the kids do say. What old ass it's man like, did you turn into? Turned into? It's been this the entire time. No, you didn't turn into a grumpy old man. The pandemic done turned you into an 80-year-old man. Listen, there is some truth On to a that. farm somewhere in western Kansas. <laughs> Listen, I, like many other people, aged 10 years in this last year. <laughs> Things are different now. I got my groove back. No, I didn't. <laughs> um, I did. Oh, good for you. Good on you. Like, uh, it's a pro- work in progress. Don't don't congratulate me yet. Okay. Um, <laughs> the necessary steps, though. Well. So did you boo? All right. <laughs> Longest episode ever. Feels good. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Keep moving. Um, lost. Lost. We're Amanda lost. Palmer wanted junkie drums. J- junkie drums. Yes. All right. Does it sound like there are junkie drums in the song? I don't know what junkie drums means. I don't really know either. But well, okay. I think this song really showcases the the themes of the record. Like, if you didn't know what this album was about, like this yeah. is this is going to tell you the mm-hmm. the thesis statement of the album. Um, and it really is all about like. I mean, Amanda Palmer said it herself. It's all about loneliness and accepting that's state of loneliness and uh being able to live with yourself um and maybe that's why this album hit me so hard because it got me right after a a uh breakup of one of the most substantial relationships i've ever been in like it got me right after that point and so like this album came out and i was like oh it just got me at the right time got me at the right time yeah she i think I think one of her skills is writing about loneliness. I think she does it better than anybody else does. Yeah. Yeah. Very much embraces it. Yeah. I was going to say, is it loneliness or is it, is it knowing how to be alone with yourself? I feel like, I think they go hand in hand. Loneliness comes before the knowing how to be alone. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of like, well, we and I think you have to sit with that and be comfortable with a it. A reflective album. We mentioned that yeah. earlier. Yeah. It's but also the fact that she can write about loneliness, honestly, yeah. is that's not a topic that's easy to write about because it's not a topic that's easy to explain. Yeah. I mean, it's a very hard feeling to put into words. And like if you tell someone I'm lonely and they say, what, how do you, what do you mean? I'm around you, you all say? the time. I'm lonely. Like, that's all I can say. <laughs> like, yeah. That's the literal meaning of the situation. Yeah. I think that's why she's so, this is, I think that's one of the best subjects that she writes about because she just handles it really well. Mm-hmm. So. And in turn, <laughs> I feel like maybe that's why the fan base is so strong. It's because maybe, like she, yeah. it's, it is so clear coming out of her mouth. And uh, not only that is that she can, she can, uh, pull inspiration from her fans because her fans are constantly talking to her. So she is not only writing from her perspective, but like thousands of other perspectives as well. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else to say about lost? Just that it goes into one of my uh, other favorite songs on this album. It goes into, yeah, this is my favorite song of the album mm-hmm. bottom theater. And it's probably because I like synths and I like arpeggios. <laughs> Love an arpeggio. That's true. That's there, there's a recipe for that. Yes, <laughs> in this song. Yes, um, but I also like. I feel like I I have an interpretation of the song, but I don't really know what the song's about. Like because it is so, it's kind of vague. Um, 
to me anyway. So I don't know. Cause was, is it not vague to anybody else? I don't know. I mean, this is one that when you first introduced this album to me back in the day, um, this was one that stuck out to me. I, I've never really known why either. Um, it blows my mind. I think it's just, um, I don't know. I think it's really just um, kind of talking about like, God, I can't, I don't know how to word it. Sorry. I keep like stopping myself. I don't know either. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. I think part of it is what you were saying, Melissa is like, like in this part of the album, like the band is, is they have more work to do. Oh yeah. And they're doing it so fucking well time. in this song. Um, and uh, just, yeah, I'm I'm at where you're at, Cole. Yeah. Where, like I like it's on the tip of my tongue, but I cannot uh, like put words to it. Like just uh, the fact that she wants to be a bottom feeder, she doesn't want to deal with like with with everything else. She doesn't she doesn't actually want to be on top. She doesn't no. want to be a star. She wants to be down in the muck with everybody else. Yes. Yeah. 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 I think that's about the the best way to describe it. That's it. And there's more to it than that, I feel like, but that's that's the the gist. Yeah. You know. I, I also love I think the ambiguity of like who she might be talking to. Yeah. Um, why you got a bitch about the band? Why are you always dying in the bath? Why are you uh, f- uh cursing at the cabs or something like that, could whatever it, that fact. Could it be um Neil that she might be referring to? Who fucking knows? Yeah. Uh, but it could be. I think maybe this is around the time like the, the relationship is good still. Yeah. Um not to say that it's like completely sour now, but um, I feel like they were still in their like honeymoon phase. Mm. Correct me if I'm wrong, listeners. Amanda. Uh, Amanda Palmer, if you're listening. A direct phone call to Brandon. Uh, can I tell you, I would shit <laughs> myself. <laughs> um, okay, anyway. <laughs> yeah, my, uh, this is my favorite song on the album is Bottom Feeder. I love it. Then we get more Amanda Palmer classic sounding stuff with uh, the bed song. Bed song. Yeah. Um, unless Jeannie or Melissa had anything to add on. You have anything to say about Bottom Not Feeder? Not in particular. I think it was, it's a fun sounding song. It's a little too vague, I think, for me. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. yeah, it's a good song. I like some of the sentiments that are on it. But yeah, it is a little vague. Yeah. Just, I just love the way it sounds. I also just love the way she's screaming and the band keeps playing at the end. Uh, but yeah, the bed song. Like I said, more classic Amanda Palmer dosage with this song, I think. I had like a whole little spiel I wrote to myself. About the bed song? Yeah. Do you want to read that spiel to yourself to sure. us? Sure. Well, one, I noted that her voice sounds like a little younger in the presentation of this song, which I thought was interesting. Uh, but she still has that like grown up sentiment. Um going on of like being trapped in the works of like uh as, as i put it grown up and growing at the same Ooh, time yeah um and there's sort of this like there is almost this suggestion of like keeping up with the jones as like this attempt to like live this like ever improving and better life especially um, that exhibit c verse yeah and and you kind of do it without question and also without regard of caring for one another mm-hmm. um 
Yeah. Life and love can get cold. Tenderness and action are necessary. And I mean, that's kind of how the song resolves is finally is like turning over and like what was wrong and like, oh, if, if only, only you'd asked. asked, we could have just ignored, like ignored all of that. Like it wouldn't have happened if you'd have just, just one step. I think that's, I, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. I was just going to say, I, I, I think I took this a little bit literally, um, which I do sometimes, um, but it was just the the idea that sometimes when you're in a relationship and you don't know how to say what's wrong with it, you mm-hmm. start looking into things that are happening mm-hmm. way more than you probably should. Like, like she's running down all these exhibits, right, of why how their relationship is failing, and this is all coming down to the fact that they bought a better bed, like a bigger bed. And she's feeling like that's him wanting to be farther, him, her wanting to be farther away from her mm-hmm. versus wanting to be closer to her. And just looking into that is making her look at their entire relationship and all these things yeah. that are going wrong. And really, all they had to do is have a conversation, mm-hmm. which is what it culminates down to anyway. Yeah. Nine times out of ten. I, this has um, some excellent lines in it, too. Um, the one... Uh, now we're both mostly paralyzed. Don't know how long we've been lying here in fear, too afraid to even feel. That one always hits pretty hard. And then, um, what was the other one? Uh, and fi- I finally ask you, what was the matter? Was it a matter of worse or of better? You stretch your arms out and finally face me. You say I would have told you if you'd only asked me. If you'd only asked me. I think this is one of those songs that like sh- uh, should be taking taken literally because well I don't know why because but like the 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 imagery is so strong and she's like laying it out for you so clean um and I think just by the end of by the time the listener reaches the end of the story like it's almost good for you because like there is a very clear lesson to learn from mm-hmm. this song mm-hmm. This is one of those um, that I think her the low droning of her voice actually works really well on because she she's yes. basically like a lawyer arguing a case kind of throughout this thing. Yeah. You know, exhibit oh. A, exhibit B. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and ov- obviously, this would be at a point in this relationship where she wouldn't have the energy to be belting out and like, you know, I think she she played the part very well in this song. I want to, um, sorry, um, just give me a moment, just one moment, just a moment. Are you looking at the lyrics? No. Okay. Um, I, I, I wanted to just give factoids about the music video. Um, I don't think I've seen the music video for this one. There is a music video and do you know what were the like singles killing type was one of them killing type was one do it with a rock star the bed song trout heart replica and i I think one more there's one it might be one at back something like that huh i think it is one at back because that's the one that the the guy from um that worked with the cure when they for some of their music it was yes apparently neil gaiman uh gave the title to the song the bed song the bed song there's a whole story with it, but I don't want to read that because that's not what I want. It's the bed song. Mm-hmm. It's the bed song. It's the bed song. Ah, 
the drummer directed this video, okay? Um, Michael McWelkin. Was that right? I don't know. It's what it sounds like you said earlier. Great. Um, (laughs) And it was done with some with some university repertory theater. um, And I just wanted to point that out, but I cannot find any information on it. And I don't want to dig any further. But it is a worthwhile music video to watch. Just saying. So we go into Mass Ave. I love this song. Why? I do like this song. I don't know. I think the song's. It's like every time you ask her, why do you why? like this song? I don't know. I have no idea, really. <laughs> Go on. I don't know. <laughs> um, again, I think I took this one a little bit literally as well. But I've had, personally, I've had a really hard time going home since I've moved from our hometown. Uh, and... Mm. And yeah. this song kind of hit me hard because there are particular things I just that I won't like I won't go to this particular place in Saline. I won't go to that street. I won't drive down that. Because road. no matter how much it changes, it, it will, will still always remind be. me of that one moment or that one time or that one person. And it's yeah. just not worth it. It's not worth the pain and it's not worth the remembering. And that's not what I came here for. Yeah. But it also makes going home painful. Yeah. It's because it doesn't grow with you. It it doesn't grow with you, but it's also a place you just don't want to go back. Yeah, like it's like it's such a specific feeling that you can't get away from. Mm-hmm. It's like there's all kinds of things that are general and whatever, but like there are some like if I if I take a left on a particular street in Salina, the there's a memory that pops up immediately, and it's never good. I, try, I wonder. So it's just it's hard to go home sometimes, yeah. and I and so I kind of get that like Massachusetts. This is what Avenue I'm always gonna think of feel. when I get here. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I wonder, um, I'm looking it up right now, but uh, I wonder if there's a word. No, there's not. A word for the opposite of nostalgia. Like, you know, having fond memories of something, having like bad Nostalgia can be good. Nostalgia can be fond memories. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I don't think there is a word that would be like the equivalent of a bad memory, you know, for nostalgia. Like, I don't know. Yeah, it's a it's more of a trigger situation for me. Yeah. Hmm. And I mean, it, and it's interesting too because it's like stuff that I avoid when I go home now is stuff that I started to avoid before I even moved. So it's always it's just an uncomfortable hmm. place to go. Hmm. So yeah. I get that feeling of just Yeah. I get being that. Being stuck. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> we all love to go home so much. <laughs> It's not you, fam. It's not you. <laughs> it's not. We love you. If you lived anywhere else. <laughs> right. We would come visit a lot more. <laughs> well, this song, uh, just a little factoid. Let me ask you, would you like it better as a piano ballad? Yes. Really? That's interesting. This song was originally supposed to be slower, a ballad, and kind of more somber. I didn't not like it. Yeah. The way that it is on the album but i i would probably like like if i saw her live and she broke this down into a piano ballad i would not be mad about it yeah like i'd be stoked about it interesting yeah that 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 was the origin of this song it was it was supposed to be a piano ballad but then the grand theft orchestra came in and the rest is history well they're killing it so yeah, I, yeah like i Truly. said not mad at the yeah. version that made it on the album at all yeah. they uh 
stole the show, you might say. They kind of did. They really did. They kind of did. Grandly. Uh, uh, uh. I wish I could remember. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Nothing. Oh. Okay. I said never mind, too, so it's oh, fine. Oh, okay. Um, Melody Dean never met a lady quite as pretty mm. as Melody Dean. Mm. My Sharona. Even though I know you're a little bit angry at me. <laughs> this is another one that gets stuck in your head. It, th- this it does. Yeah. Could, could it be because of the tie to my show? Probably. <laughs> it's very, it is very sticky in your brain for sure. But, it also, I was telling Brennan this though earlier too, the verses sound like something else though. Like it reminds yeah, me of something yeah. and I cannot put my finger on what it is, but it is very familiar. Yeah, I don't know. but It's just the cadence and the way that it's just, yeah. I feel that way about a lot of Amanda Palmer's songs, though. Just kind of like, this sounds like something. I feel like I've heard this before. But then you go, but does someone else just sound like Amanda Palmer? <laughs> Ooh, that's the question. I think I think sometimes it's a little bit of A, a little bit of B with her, because she definitely borrows from sources. For sure. Absolutely. For sure. But, with pride. But yeah, you're probably not wrong. I mean, she she's is, so original anyway that it's kind of like, you kind of wonder. And she is an influential artist. Like, even though she's not like a full-blown mainstream success. She's she probably an artist is. artist. She is. Yeah. She is very much so. Absolutely she is. Oh, definitely an artist artist. What is the line in the song that like directly mentions? I like to spread her out on different crackers. Yeah, I like the Oh, yeah, works. that's right. I don't like sticking my Sharona in a box. There you go. There that's you right. go. I, I do like that, that crackers line though. Spread around on different crackers. <laughs> yeah, I like the way she looks. I think uh, Melody Dean is the one with the trumpets at the end. It is. Listen, yes. that caught me. <laughs> that always gets me, but it got me. This here, here's my favorite verse in this whole thing. I never cross the continental divide without thinking about you. I'm a tree that's carved up with her name. She's a warrior tattoo. And the fact is you're selective about what you can remember for a start. The fact is you're just jealous as all get out. We can do it in the dark. The dark. The dark. The dark. Yeah. It's a great tune. Even though I know you are a little bit angry with me, just know that it is you are loving you. She mentions that when you hear and right now you are not so good here. Clearly, I'm gonna find somebody else, and it's the prettiest lady I know. She mentions Stephen Stills in this song too, which is oh yeah. Do you know who that is? No, I don't. Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young is like the the. It's a music group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, David Crosby, Stephen Stills, Ooh, Graham Nash, and occasionally Neil Young. Oh. <laughs> occasionally appearing is Neil Young. Crosby, Stills, and Nash is like the, the yeah, main yeah. group. That's how okay. you know him. But. Interesting. You can't be with the one you love, honey. Love the one you're with. Yep. Oh, is that like. Yeah, that's, that, that's, that's the song. Okay, brilliant. Brilliant. All I want that because that's the reference. I mean, all I want is to love the one I'm with, like, like Stephen Still says. Okay. Yeah. So there you go. Add that to your brilliant factoid knowledge about this song. All right, I will. <laughs> well, I mean, it goes into like, a, you know, who is she ripping off at this point? It's everybody, yeah. and everybody's ripping off everybody. Yeah. Everybody's just borrowing from everybody else to make beautiful music. Musical quotation. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um. 
I have nothing more to say about Melody Teen. So we go into... Ali Ali Oxenfree. Is that it? No. no. Berlin. <laughs> this is my favorite one. So, so enthused for that. Yes. I love Berlin. Why? I just... I, I think I like a lot of the writing that happens on it. Do you know what it's about? You know, not specifically. Let him tell but you. There is a I line. I was going to say, as long as you're bent and as long as they're watching... You're going to make rent. You've, You've got, got no, no other, other option. option. Yeah. Like, what? Yeah. Um, the other line that I that really gets me is um, um, it's hard to work on an assembly line of broken hearts. Um, mm. uh, something like not to fix them, just to strip, strip and parts. sell the parts. Yeah. yeah. Um, because she was a stripper. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, okay. And her stripper name was Berlin. Berlin. Yeah, back in the day when she was working odd jobs, she was working at an ice cream store and she was working as a um, uh, uh, a living statue just uh, somewhere in Boston. Of um, course she was. <laughs> dressed in all ways. She, they, they, she called it, um, she was dubbed like the bride or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, oh God. The eight foot bride. That's so Amanda Palmer. She would, yes. <laughs> <laughs> she, she would stand on these milk crates with the with this like uh, with this gown on, and people would come and give her whatever, put whatever in the tip hat, and then she would just, like come alive, right? And then like give whomever gave her the money a flower. Um, and then she moved on to becoming a stripper and a slew of other odd jobs. Um, but this particular song, Berlin, is written about when she was okay, a stripper. Okay. So, excuse me. She was saying <laughs> that. Uh, <laughs> When she was doing press for this album, that the, the this was sort of like her coming out and saying like like yeah I was a stripper once, which is probably why she had um whoever the fuck for do it with a rock star. Oh yeah, Stoya. Stoya. Um. It's why you'd be an advocate for other sex workers is if you've been one before. Yeah, it's crazy to me that um. She can expose so much of herself in her music, and yet people still don't know things about Gloss her. Right over it, yeah, yeah, crazy. Again, another number where the Grand Theft Orchestra is working hard. Yeah, they're fucking killing it. Can we can we have Melissa intro the next song? <laughs> oh yeah, and now it's. <laughs> <laughs> Ali Ali Oxen Free! <laughs> there it is. Ali Ali Oxen Free. So, you wanted, that's what you get for wanting, you got it. That's what, what you get for getting, forgotten. Um, Something about that coffee scene on Moscow on the Hudson. What a jam this song is. Such a jam. <laughs> uh, I find it odd for a closer. Yeah. But I don't hate it. I'm just like, oh, oh all right. Um, but I guess it's really a good summation of everything um, because it's really all about the regret that one might have for not making the life choices that they wanted to make, but mm. like eventually coming to terms with that. I just really love the um, the note in the chorus. Ali, Ali, Oxen, like just really like rich, like brassy note that she hits. Mm-hmm. So great. It's like it. Made for Amanda Palmer note. <laughs> yeah, well, who made it? Yeah, right. Um, yeah. You know, I will say, when I uh, 
backed this album on Kickstarter with my one dollar. Um, I got a much longer album, um, so I never knew this to be the end of the album. I one of my notes was that the extended Kickstarter version. I was like, God, it goes on forever. There's like <laughs> another like seven songs tacked on to the end of it. The ukulele anthem from someplace to someplace. I don't remember what the song is called and denial thing. Mm-hmm. Um, which that is a great tune. Um, yeah. It has all these bonus tracks and B sides on that. If you were like a Kickstarter backer. And then if you listen to it on Spotify, there's a whole other like bonus song that's on. And if you get it from iTunes, there are some other bonus tracks that are on there. So like anywhere you get it, she's giving you extra not that you're asking for it, not that you need it. The album is absolutely long enough. Um, but, but yeah, there it, she, there it is. She's constantly giving you more. I mean, that's um, she's not leaving you wanting more. She's giving you too much. Radiohead did something similar with In Rainbows when they released that album. Um, they um, they did a donation based payment for it. Which fun fact? Someone paid them two million for that album. Jesus Christ. Yeah. By choice. Because they could have paid nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know, they were in the position. Right? Yeah. They had it. But um my God. That uh they released the Great. album the album they released had ten songs on it, but I think they had an additional ten songs or at least like seven or eight that were bonus tracks that you got if you paid like a certain amount or something like that, right? Um and How that much was did you pay? That was 2006. I paid nothing because I was a freshman in high school. <laughs> ah, ouch! <laughs> that whole in rainbows, in rainbows. Yeah, in rainbows. That whole marketing thing was sort of the basis of her, like, oh, wanting to do a Kickstarter. I see. She had been wanting to do something. To this effect for a while, but every label she had was like, you're they, an idiot. Radiohead had the same issues with their radio, la- their record label. Um, that's why that that is the first one that they released as independent artists. And ah. it's considered the most successful independent artist release of all time. But you also have to remember that it's Radiohead. So it's like really independent. How independent are yeah. But no, they they. A good chunk of the the music no, that they let were me redact writing. that because I don't want Tom York to come at me with his evil eye. No, you don't want to deal with that. I don't. That's an otherworldly creature that you don't want to mess with. <laughs> but no, um, is it? They um, yes. I didn't know. I didn't know that she was influenced by that release in that way because that I mean that was a big deal. That like yeah. that shook things up. That that um, donation based one. So. You know, we've talked about Jeff Rosenstock, and he was one of the first people who's also kicked off to like pay what you can to access my music. Hmm. Kind of dudes. Oh, 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 oh! I thought That's I okay. heard kicked off, and I thought like you meant like someone banned him from doing that. No, and I was like, why? That's like largely how he's like made his way. You want to give us stuff for free? Canceled. <laughs> Get the thug out of here. Um, I would like to read you a tale. Do it. Um, it is the very first review of Theater is Evil by one Ben Folds. I had a note. Ben Folds was a huge fan. A huge fan. 
it if, makes sense and i don't even know that much about ben folds but i was like fun. with what i know sense. of ben folds i'm like i could see him being into amanda palmer when um when uh the Dresden Dolls broke up and they were like, she was like free of the label. Ben Folds like reached out to Amanda Palmer and just said, like, keep going, keep doing what you're doing because you're doing great things. Um, so he's been a long time fan, supporter, collaborator, supporter. Ben Folds said of Theater is Evil, listening to Theater is Evil every day more than once. It's good. It's really good. This record is as good as it gets. You're going to shit when you hear it. <laughs> it's going to be around for ages. Otherwise, it's total crap. <laughs> yeah. It um, makes a lot of sense that those two um, work, work so well together because he also has a very strong like music theater background yeah. to his playing. Now, they're completely different, but like, especially if you listen to like, a song like Brick, yeah. Um that I, Amanda Palmer could have written that song. Like it's more poppy than what she does, but like the subject matter is brutal. A little fun fact. Amanda Palmer and Ben Folds and Neil Gaiman and the drummer of OK Go created a small little band where they did a set number of songs in a set number of time, set number of hours. Oh, God, the sentence came out. Anyway, um and the record was called Eight and Eight. So look that up. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> well, yeah. So we made it all the way through. Yeah. Not including the bonus tracks, though some of us did listen to the bonus tracks. Um, Overall, what do we think, y'all? Was it crap? I love it. Loved? Yeah, loved it. It's a solid album. That's great. It is good. That's it's great. Uh, feel like weirdly unknown or undiscussed outside of yeah people who know amanda palmer well it seems kind of like a one-off thing really because she she's released stuff after this and it's just kind of back to the standard amanda palmer yeah Yeah. i mean this was this was the one with the grand theft orchestra yeah it seems like that her fans said give us this and she gave them that mm-hmm. you know what i mean like they they she, she was giving them what they paid for I mean, like damn. they wanted a fucking explosive record and she gave it to them well, i mean with those bonus tracks you're talking about like a 20 track album and we're talking most of the songs are four and a half minutes or longer yeah they they take their time yeah lord have mercy so, on my soul i mean even if she doesn't do another one this is a very significant amount of music for yeah. this style that she's doing it in yes you know? well i'm glad i could force you all to listen to it since apparently i never did that um which seems really out of character for me right. um excuse me that's why i was so surprised i'm glad well I mean, just like i said earlier like in a minute <laughs> never mind i said it already um yeah, so we're meeting back in two weeks. two weeks. We're gonna talk. Jeannie is going to talk us through what exactly? <laughs> I'm very excited. I'm excited too. I think it's one that's worth talking about. Uh, we're gonna do car seat headrests, twin fantasy. Woo! More angst. A lot of angst. Yes, that's what we do best on this show. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here for it. Now. Let me ask you this. Uh-huh. 
we're gonna we're probably gonna talk about both iterations yeah talk about both but i would rather focus fully on the 2018 release ah but do tune into the 2011 one at least once or twice to note a few of the big differences changes okay great we have our assignments class um any last words you okay over there yeah i just got mascara in my eye Uh, we still i don't think have heard enough from y'all so make sure y'all 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 you all out there in the (laughs) ether we're getting some really great personal feedback but nothing to the our like email us find us on instagram find us on facebook find us on tiktok find us on um i guess that's it (laughs) those are the three social media or the and yeah, it, three, the tag four. is, I, I want to say it this time, get the letter N, the number two, the groove. <laughs> Find us. Also, uh, rate us, review us, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, and then subscribe to us everywhere else, too. Love us. Love us. Please, if you think you. we're terrible, we want to prove you wrong. Right. Uh, yes. Also that. <laughs> but don't, don't, don't. Say nice things, though. Yeah, don't leave <laughs> us a terrible comment. Yeah. You can tell us the terrible can, comment. Just keep it on the down going to, If you are going to leave some sort of comment or suggestion, just make sure that it is um, constructive criticism. <laughs> or if you're going to be ballsy, leave your name. <laughs> leave your number. What's your address? Uh-huh. <laughs> Let us roll up. Right. <laughs> roll up. <laughs> Yeehaw. <laughs> <laughs> I pass the yeehaw on to you now. <laughs> okay. I don't like that. <laughs> what did you say? I said I passed the yeehaw. Last time I said yeehaw like three times. He was saying yeehaw all over the it place. It was so annoying. <laughs> At least Brandon's is enthusiastic. You, <laughs> oh, it's aggressive, actually. So I'm about to fight somebody. Mine were supposed to be sarcastic. Like, yeehaw. <laughs> It's because when I said yeehaw, I wasn't actually enthused about the things I was yeehawing about. Yeehaw. He was not yeehawed about Meghan He's Markle and Prince Harry. No, I wasn't. He wasn't. <sighs> we gotta go. All right, bye. 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 I love you. You're perfect. Never change. Peace. one has rls call this number <laughs> have you or a loved one been affected by rls what are those commercials that um there's like some respiratory thing mm-hmm. you know what i'm talking about yeah mesothelioma <laughs> thank you <laughs> my god stop crowns <laughs> 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 <laughs>